Hey, you're listening to episode 60 of the Resilient Teacher Podcast. If you missed the announcement last week and you're like, wait a dang minute, why are there two episodes this week? Then let me share with you that in the month of July and possibly into August, we are going to bring you two episodes per week, one on our normal Tuesday and an extra on Friday just to double up your summer self-care and your sustainability this school year. This is in large part because we are super excited to be bringing you the third annual free summer self-care conference for teachers on Friday, July 21st through the 23rd. This is a free live virtual conference for educators to beat burnout, work smarter, not harder, and live your best lives inside and outside of the classroom, sponsored by no other than Teaching Mind, Body, and Soul, obviously, the Resilient Teacher Podcast, and ClassPoint.io. We have 20-plus presenters presenting on topics like teacher burnout, teacher health and wellness, productivity for educators, compassion fatigue, behavior management without burnout, trauma-informed teaching, mindfulness, classroom organization, and so much more. This conference is going to be jam-packed with actionable professional and personal development where you can earn professional development credits, prizes, giveaways, and so much more. This is the educator event of the season, so you won't want to miss out. You can grab your free ticket at teachingmindbodyandsoul.com slash summer self-care conference or head over to the link in the show notes to learn more. One of the main objections that I hear from teachers about self-care is that they just don't have the time. They don't have the energy to take care of themselves. That's why this year's conference is focused around three main pillars, sustainability, support, and systems. Systems in our classrooms and our everyday life are what give us the structure, the organization that we need to create the space for self-care. By implementing effective systems, we can reclaim our time, we can reclaim our energy, and we are enabled to really prioritize our well-being. That's why on today's episode, we are chatting with the host of the Simple Systems with Sam podcast, Sam Holcomb, who is a presenter at this year's event. Sam Holcomb went from the world of engineering to a high school science teacher, and it was hard. That first year of teaching, she had a two-year-old and a two-month-old with seven middle school math and science preps to balance what? (laughs) Most weeks they were completely stressed and sleep deprived, but she made the connection that engineering and lean efficiency systems from her previous life would be the tools to simplify the time and energy spent on seemingly endless to-do lists. Now in year six and having learned 16 different courses to teach, she's determined to make sure everyone can implement simple systems into their classroom and home life. Y'all know I love a good system, and if you've ever found yourself drowning in paperwork, struggling to balance your personal life with your teaching responsibilities, or simply just craving a sense of structure and organization, this episode is for you. Samantha will be sharing her expertise, providing valuable tips and insights on how to implement these simple systems that can revolutionize your classroom and your home life. So let's not waste any more time and let's chat with Sam. Hey there, and welcome to the Resilient Teacher Podcast, the podcast giving overwhelmed and burned out teachers inspiration, sustainable strategies, and reigniting passion for teaching. I'm Brittany, a special education teacher and teacher resilience and retention strategist, and I am on a mission to inspire educators to prioritize their mental health and individualize their self-care routines so that they can live a balanced, fulfilling life as an educator while making a bigger impact in their classrooms and communities. 
Each week, I'll be sharing tips, strategies, mindset shifts, and discussing hot topics in teacher resilience with other knowledgeable experts so that you can ditch the overwhelm, prevent burnout, and create the life you've been dreaming about. So let's get started, and let me remind you that you too are a resilient teacher. Hi, Samantha. I am so excited to have you on the podcast and chat all things systems with you today. It's my favorite thing to chat about. (laughs) Yes, it's my love language. So I gave like a brief introduction of who you are, but I would just love it if you would share a little bit about yourself. Like, how did you go from being an engineer to a high school teacher and just the background behind all of it? Like, tell us everything. So in high school, I was like the ultimate nerd. I was in eight bands my senior year. I'm self-taught on seven instruments, I think. Um, I was president of the science club, treasurer of the history club. I was secretary of the mathletes. I mean, I was super cool. (laughs) And I fell in love with physics. I thought it was like the neatest thing ever. And I told my parents I wanted to be a physics teacher. And my dad said, nope, not paying for you to go to school to be a teacher. So I went to school and I became an engineer, <laughs> which was as close to teaching physics as I could probably get without actually doing it. And then I ended up moving to a super tiny town after working in industry for a little bit so that it could be closer to my long distance boyfriend. And then we got married, built a house, had some kids, but there was very minimal engineering opportunity in this tiny little town. Yeah. Now he did work for a family engineering firm, but like I could have never worked there. So I didn't want to. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I finally decided it was time to pursue that like lifelong dream of going and being a physics teacher. And it took me five years to figure out how to effectively make that conversion because at the time it was not very easy. Now, I mean, you can go get a teaching license almost anywhere pretty easy. Yeah. But at the time, it took me forever to figure it out. And um, I started at a small, tiny private school where they hired me knowing I had absolutely no background in teaching with seven different preps. And um, I had a plan period maybe three times a week. Oh, wow. And I taught two classes simultaneously in one class period. Of those seven preps. I had no clue what I was doing. Um, It was was not a a highlight of my career, I would say. But I learned a lot. It was a crash course in everything that you could possibly do wrong your first year. I definitely went there and did it wrong. And so I finally kind of recovered and have since then fallen into high school instead of middle school, which is definitely more my jam. Props to all of the middle school teachers. The one year was... (laughs) Plenty for me. I know it's like you really find where you fit when you start teaching them. Like Mm -hmm. you understand one or the other really well. Um, And I knew I couldn't do elementary. I I need to sass a little bit with my students and have that back and forth. Mm -hmm. Um, But I pieced together after, well, in the middle actually of my really rough first year that I had such an intense training and background in all things project management systems, lean organization. My job was essentially to take a project for an engineering firm and try to simplify it and make it as efficient and productive as possible for as little cost as possible. And I was 
doing none of that when it came to my classroom, but they fit together so well. And so I have since been on this journey of trying to marry the systems world that comes from a more corporate environment and saying, teachers, we need to do this too. Yes, I completely agree with you because I learned about systems when I started building businesses. Like I, mm-hmm. I had a t-shirt business. I'm I'm very, I love to get into things like that. And I realized, oh crap, I'm not doing any of this in the classroom and really bringing that in there because I am, I'm obsessed with systems and automations, all of that stuff. And I'm not like OCD systems, but I'm like a good system just puts me in a good mood. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so for those teachers who are like, all right, what the heck are systems? Like, how would you explain it to them? And why do you think it's so important? Well, you're right. When it works, it's like magic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is one of the best feelings in the world. The way I try to simplify the idea of systems, because you can go really nerdy into it, mm-hmm. is People confuse systems and routines. Routine tells you what you're doing and when you're doing it. Like you have a morning routine, you have an evening routine, you have a workout routine, you have like a step-by-step guide. But a system is going to take that routine and add purpose and goals behind it and give you the strategies to making that routine the best that it can be for the outcome that you want. So you're taking the routine with a goal, you're shifting your mindset and you're adding whatever works best for you and like manipulating it until they all come together in something that gives you that like, wow, magical moment. Yeah. I love the way you explain that too, (laughs) because I've talked about systems on the podcast, but not from the lens at which your, your expertise is in, you know (laughs) what I mean? So you talk about the trash can rule. I got to, I got to know what exactly is that? So um, on Instagram a couple years ago, I mentioned this thing about trash cans and it became like my thing. I was the trash can lady for like a solid six months and I just embraced it and ran with it. Yeah. Um, I became really interested in college in Lean Six Sigma Systems, which is this process that they like have karate belt styles for it. Like I took a course in college where I became a yellow belt in lean six Sigma systems. You can go all the way to black belt and it's about making tweaks to a process that already exists so that you can save time and money for a company and how much time and money you save determines the belt level that you're at. So my professor walked us through, she was a black belt and she was walking us through the system tweak that made her a six Sigma black belt. And it was literally analyzing trash can locations within a factory and shifting them six inches to one foot. And it saved the factory over a million dollars in lost downtime and materials in one year. Oh, wow. (laughs) I know. So if you think about it in more of like the real world that we see, I think Disney is like the best example. Disney is not a trashy place. They engineered it that way every 30 feet is another trash can and the trash cans have this whole cool underground systems so that they never technically fill up and it all empties out i had but no they idea make it oh yeah it's really crazy to think about all the engineering that goes into that place but they um strategically do that because they want to make it so easy for you to throw your trash away that like you have to make a real concerted effort 
to try to trash Disney instead of just putting it in the trash can. And so I take that approach. And in my classroom, one of the first things I'll do is I will look around and say, if I'm a student in this seat, what trash can am I going to? If I'm a student over here, what trash can am I going to? And I do that with all the student supplies that they have access to. So I have multiple pencil sharpeners around the room. Um, But also even at home with my kids, if I notice that, for instance, we put all of their toys in the basement or in back in their room, and then I notice that like certain stuffed animals kept making their way to the living room and they never wanted to take them back. So I can recognize that pattern and say, instead of fighting this and losing time and energy on that battle, I'm just going to put a container for stuffed animals in the living room. And when it gets full, then we deal with it. But until then, you need to recognize what types of things are bothering you and what you're losing your own time and sanity and energy on and make adjustments because even the smallest little ones are going to have a huge impact. Gosh, that the whole stuffed animal thing is kind of blowing my mind right now too because I'm like, yeah, every day I have to tell my kids to pick up those same animals. The one that has changed my life in the last two years, I saw somebody on Instagram say this and it, it blew my mind. I immediately told my husband we're doing this. We don't keep our kids' socks in their rooms anymore. We put kids' socks in the laundry room, which is right next to the garage, so that as they're putting their shoes on in the laundry room, the socks are there. Because That's genius. How many times for little kids do you like, go back all the way to your room, go grab some socks? They don't need socks in their room. It's right. just a hot mess. Instead, and I don't even match them anymore. I pull them straight out of the dryer and throw them right into the basket right around, like across the room. And we moved it to some place that was way more practical, saved us the time, energy, and sanity, because now we weren't fighting the battle of who's going to go back and get the socks so that they can put shoes on. That is so genius. And now I'm going to do that. Oh, my gosh. I have found two big nuggets in this already. (laughs) (laughs) And it has nothing to do with teaching, but it has everything to do with systems. So that's that's genius. I, I know that a lot of teachers, like, they struggle with the job creep. Have you heard of that term before? Mm-hmm. Where it's like more and more is being piled on and on and on and just constantly having things just being added to their plates. And I think that's one of the biggest struggles that I see. What are the biggest struggles you see in regards to teacher stress? And do you have anything like that you would say, this is what you should do to kind of help out with that? So I think teachers really struggle with wanting everything to be perfectly done the right way by them. Yeah. And that is where 90% of the stress I'd say comes from is we spend so much time trying to perfect all of the pieces that then we have no more time for the leftover pieces. Right. And we let all of it kind of roll over when instead, if you follow almost any productivity person on the internet, they're going to tell you, B work is great. Put B work out there. If you have it together and you have an outline, put it out there. I used to try to make all these fancy worksheets and docs and format all of my Google Forms for tests and make the background so pretty. And it was it was great for me. Like it made me feel good, but it literally brought nothing to the content, which was my job. Right. And so if I looked at it, my job was to get them to understand, let's say, like atomic structure, like know where a proton, neutron, and electron are. 
Is the clip art I put in there really going to matter? Probably not. And so I would just start typing things into docs and I would print it straight from there. No formatting whatsoever. Let them take it and go with it. Because if I put all that extra time in, I was taking time away from another section of my life that I wanted to have for something else. And with that, it's, I mean, I will not be the first person that says that boundaries are important, but I think that one of the easiest ways to handle job creep is to focus on the job at work. And so I do a block system for a block schedule system for every single day that I'm at home. And I decided to modify it for the school day. So in a block system, you normally have like a three hour chunk of time to dedicate to some sort of theme of tasks. Mm -hmm. And we don't have three hour chunks at school ever. You might get three hours total in an entire day. But each chunk of time that you do have, you can focus on a task. So for instance, I would get to school 15 minutes before students would be in my room because that's when my contract time was. I had a block of prep the room and it was literally pull everything up, make sure the copies are straight. That's all I needed to do and that's all I could get done in that time. But then during my plan period, each day of the week was assigned a different task, whether it was prepping the next week, grading this prep, grading that prep, Mm -hmm. or maybe going ahead and sorting through some materials, getting lab stuff ready. Every day had a different thing and a backup just in case I didn't have right. a lab coming up. And so you can take the bigger chunks and the smaller chunks and say, for instance, lunch is my time for emails. I don't respond to emails any other time of the day besides at lunch because it's just going to be a time suck. You can get stuck in it forever. Mm-hmm. So if you're just smart about when you put your focus and telling yourself what your focus is, you can get so much more accomplished in that time that it doesn't have to creep out anywhere else. Right. I love that because that's exactly what I do. Like I I taught special education. I've been teaching special education for like nine of the 13 years that I've been a teacher. And I had specific days where I would work on IEPs. That was my day for IEPs. This is my day for progress monitoring. This is my day. And they went into my specific blocks, my prep block. Because I did, I mean, I had one a day and I know you said earlier, like you only had like three a week, but I had one a day and I made sure that they had a theme for that day because that made Mm -hmm. sense to me and I knew what I was supposed to focus on and I wasn't going to get, you know, completely out of order, you know, just by all the things that I have to do. So I really, I really like that you brought that up because that's a really cool way like an extra little bonus of it is when something does come up, like let's say you get a stack of a ton of late work that students bring in, you can tell them, well, the next time I'm grading your class is next Wednesday. So that'll be the soonest that it could potentially get updated. Or if you have something that comes in where you need to help another um, teacher outline something, you can say, okay, well, my plan period when I work on course material is this day. So I'm going to put it into that bucket and like release it from my whole scattered brain of things that I need to get done because it doesn't have to go right now. I have a time set aside for that. Yes. And that's, that's like setting the boundary for you. I love that. I Mm -hmm. love that so much. And you know, um, my love language is also templates. I love a good template. If I can never think of what to write in an email, um, it just takes so much energy because I want it to be the perfect email. 
So templates for emails are like my favorite, but do you have any other templates that you like recommend for teachers to save time and save that energy? A thousand percent. Um, I actually just did a podcast episode about five lesson templates. I think actually I think it ended up being six, six lesson templates that I think everybody should create before you even start planning out a unit. Um, Templates are the only way that I could teach going into my sixth year, 16 different preps. So in year 15, I had taught 15 different courses. They all, I had to start pretty much all of them from scratch, figuring out what to do. And if you can't, if you don't create templates, you can't carry anything with you. And I was tired of not being able to carry any of my work with me. So I created template assignments. um, And then they end up being my sub plans because they can go with any topic, any unit and just making things that I know if I'm going to want to do it more than once, making a worksheet that is not specific to the topic, but asks a really good overarching question that students can answer to prove their understanding. So for example, if I have a movie that they're going to watch, I don't have those fill in the blanks, like follow along and tell me what number they said at this point or whatever. I ask them, what are three things that you found interesting in one question you still have? Sketch a scene that you found really important from the video. Have summarized the importance of the scientific data that was presented in a CER format. And that way I can take that and use it all over again. So I try to make worksheets as templated as possible And sometimes you have to get specific, like there are definitely times where you have to narrow in and know exactly what information you need your students to take out of a lesson. Yeah. But more often than not, you are going to have one or two opportunities a week to put a template in place that you can then repeat over and over and over again. So I create template lessons. I create template worksheets. I outline my slides for every type of lesson that I'm going to have. So if I'm going to just straight lecture, if I'm going to have group work time in between, I will have all those things laid out in a generic template that I can go and copy so that my slides are essentially fill in the blank for myself. Like I can just put all my vocab on one slide, topic one, question one, topic two, question two, and follow through that way. And I also really like to create template rubrics, which can be a little bit more complicated depending on what you teach. Right. But if you're looking for like symbolism in a student selected writing, then you can put like on this response, three points for putting symbolism or putting the major content into like usable format and having your punctuation, having your capitalizations and all the grammatical things. And so creating that rough outline is going to also let you grade a lot faster. Absolutely. Oh, gosh. I love a good template. I could. (laughs) Templates are my jam. Yes. And you're one of the presenters at the Summer Self-Care Conference, and your presentation is going live on the very first day of the conference. Can you talk a little bit about what you're going to be covering in your presentation so the teachers who are listening, they're going to be like, oh, my gosh, I want to hear more of what Samantha has to say. Can you tell them a little bit about what is in your session? Yeah. So I am giving away the three simple steps and simple systems that you can implement so that you're maximizing your time and minimizing your effort every single day. These are like, if I could tell you three things I wish you would implement before the school year started and even in your personal life, because I try not to make something that is only applicable at school. It needs to really flow through everything so that you can take the biggest advantage of it. 
Um, I am going through how I use templates in the classroom in my personal life. And actually, I cover more of the personal life in there because I think that that's one area that we all struggle with more than we would admit. Um, And then also covering SOPs, which is one of my favorite standard operating procedures are going to change your world if you haven't really started working on them. And also diving a little bit deeper into block scheduling and how you can use that. And I have freebies to go along with all of that tied to the conference. I'm so excited about it. I am so excited about it because I know that so many teachers are going to get so much value from your presentation and so many of the others. And I'm just so excited that it's on the first day of the conference. But in the meantime, can you share where they can find you, what you offer, how to connect with you further? Yeah, so I am mostly over on Instagram at Engineer Does Education. I also have a podcast, the Simple Systems with Sam podcast, where I try to cover a simple way to simplify a system in your life every single episode. Right now on summer schedule, we're coming out with two episodes a week, which is great. Um, I know it's a lot of work, but I'm really excited to be putting it out there. Um, and then you can also find me on Teachers Pay Teachers, where I have a lot of those template worksheets that work not only for science, but also for any upper level discipline. Um, And then I also have an Etsy shop, which is going to get a major update here really soon. So if you search uh, Eng does edu on Etsy, that's that's a tricky one to type. But engineers education is way too long. Yeah, Um, I am all over the place just trying to spread systems in some little nerdy science facts. I love it. I love it. And we're going to put all of the links up for all of those things down in the show notes. So everybody can go and grab and hang out with you, Samantha. Thank you so much for being on the Resilient Teacher Podcast. It was such a pleasure to talk my love language with you. (laughs) Thanks for nerding out with me. Before you go, head over to teachingmindbodyandsoul.com slash podcast to check out any links, freebies, and resources discussed in this episode so that you can start recovering from or preventing burnout and reigniting your passion for teaching. If you liked this episode and it helped you or made you think in any way, I know it will be for other educators too. So subscribe and leave a review so more educators can find this community as well. Did you know that you can have an incredible impact on the teachers in your life? That's right. All you have to do is share what you learned today. Take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to and tap me and post it in your stories. What do you say that we start creating a trail for more teachers around us so that we can start to make the change in the system of education, how teachers are seen and respected, and for ourselves? I look forward to connecting with you more on Instagram at Teaching Mind, Body, and Soul or TikTok at Miss Princess Teach. I am always looking for an excuse to chat more about burnout, resilience, and teacher support. I'll see you in the next episode.